0: Logos Mobile Education provides seminary-level course content to anyone, right where they are. We work with world-class scholars to carefully craft a learning experience that only Logos could deliver. Visit logos.com slash to start learning today.
1: Welcome to Mobile Ed Conversations, where we chat with today's top Christian scholars and church leaders. I'm Daniel Snook, and I'm here with Dr. Andy Nacelli. Dr. Nacelli is Assistant Professor of New Testament and Biblical Theology at, Beth- at Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He has multiple publications, including the forthcoming NIV Zondervan Study Bible, where he served as the Assistant Editor. He's here at the Faith Life Campus in Bellingham, Washington, where he's filming a mobile ed course on NT exegesis. Thank you, Dr. Nacelli, for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me, Daniel.
1: So. Tell us about your journey into scholarship. You've completed two PhDs before you turned 30. Um, how did you start? When did you know you wanted to pursue biblical scholarship?
0: Yeah, I began in college. Um, I went to school for an undergrad degree in Bible, wanting to be a pastor. And a couple of years into that program, I started taking Greek right away. And I just loved Greek. And I thought I wanted to go to seminary after that, to train to be a pastor still and I wanted to teach Greek to fund my seminary. So I went to a school where I could teach Greek as a teaching assistant while I was in seminary. And I ended up, as I was doing that loving teaching so much, that I thought, you know, maybe God has called me to be a professor instead of a pastor. And I've been waffling back and forth ever since. Uh, Several times in my life I've come to a fork on the road, be a pastor, be a professor, and for several of those I've chosen to go the professor route and I almost went the pastor route a couple of years ago, but I ended up going to Bethlehem College and seminary. And uh, I was grateful because our school is small intentionally, about 15 seminary students a year in a four-year program, so 60 cap. And they want the professors to pastor the students. So it's the best of both worlds, and they want the professors to serve as elders in the church. So uh, I get to do both, so it's beautiful.
1: Nice. Who's uh, been your greatest influencers along the way? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, of course, my parents and my pastors um, have hugely influenced me. Uh, Some people, some names some might recognize include uh, D.A. Carson, John Piper, Tom Schreiner, Mark Dever. Those sorts of people have really influenced me.
1: Nice. In your course, you noted that hermeneutics supplies the tools to discover a text's meaning, and exegesis uses those tools. Now, obviously, hermeneutics is foundational, yet the aha moment for those who study it is often Bible college and seminary. How can we raise the general understanding within the church of, of what hermeneutics is and you know how to, just biblical interpretation? Yeah, I
0: think uh, this is, I, I believe firmly in expository preaching or expositional preaching. Um, what it does is it basically goes passage by passage and explains and applies them as you go, book by book. And it it trains people. One of the benefits of that is it trains people how to read the Bible for themselves. Because if you just pick topics and how-to's and you don't actually show people how to read the Bible and apply it as you preach, then people in the pews are sitting there thinking, I need this guy to tell me what it means and what to do. But if you show them week after week how to read the text carefully and how to apply it. After years and years of that, people in the pew get it. They learn how to do it themselves. So Mm. I think that's the biggest antidote to that deficiency is this good expository preaching.
1: Mm. Now talking about preaching, right now there's pastors across the country and the world who are working on their Sunday sermon. And are there any steps of anti-exegesis that come to mind that you think are perhaps most overlooked or steps that, you know, would pay dividends in sermon prep and delivery?
0: Oh, well, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah, the, the course I recorded this week is called New Testament Exegesis, and that's what the whole course is about, is how to interpret the New Testament carefully from beginning to end. Uh, I'll just pick two highlights. So one is biblical theology. And that is, I think if you're preaching through the Bible, what you can do is if you come across one of about 20 or 30 significant whole Bible themes, like temple or sacrifice or holiness, is you can zoom out from that text and then trace that theme from Genesis to Revelation. So you have this trajectory in your mind, and then you zoom back in in your text and place it within that trajectory. And, and doing that over and over and over will train people to think in a whole Bible, biblical theology way. And another another one to mention here is application. I learned a lot from Tim Keller and Mark Dever here. Basically... Uh, If you don't strategically, intentionally picture in your mind certain types of people that uh, you're applying the Bible to, then you'll, you'll be in a rut. You'll apply the Bible to just one or two or three types of people, and your applications will be very similar week after week after week. So just some advice is to diversify your conversation partners, who you're spending time with, who you're picturing in your mind as you're preaching. And what Tim Keller and Mark Dever said is, when you do that, your congregation starts to diversify as well, because people think, oh, I'll bring my non-Christian friend because he's addressing the same things that my friend's asking.
1: Speaking of biblical theology, um, why is this focus needed? What do we miss out on if we simply focus on broader systematic theology-level, summary, you know, top-level themes?
0: Yeah, so biblical theology is... Uh, showing it's it's focusing on the history, how God revealed the Bible progressively, historically, and it's tracing themes all the way through. It's it's looking at it uh, holistically, um, and letting the text set the agenda. And it shows how themes climax in Christ. So, if you're if you're just coming to the Bible, saying what does the whole Bible teach about abortion? What does the whole Bible teach about where babies go in the day? What does the whole Bible teach about sin? Those are good questions, and and. We raise them because we're thinking about them, because of experiences or conversations or the culture or whatever. And that's important. That's systematic theology. That's good. But just if, if you read literature, like if you know English literature or something like that, and you've learned how to be a literary critic, you don't come to the, the text with questions that, that you think are most relevant. You go to the text and get in the world of the text and ask questions like, what's the author doing here? And that's what biblical theology is about. And it's, it's not focused on just one book of the Bible. It's focused on the whole Bible, how it all fits together. So it's, it's basically just exegesis of the entire Bible, putting it all together.
1: Are there any uh, biblical theology themes that you've come back to again and again in your oh, research
0: yeah. and writing? Yeah, my favorite by far is temple. I love temple. Um, I've been working through 1 Corinthians recently, and there's a passage that says, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And if you read that, you can make sense of it. I think it's verses 12 through 20. You can make sense of the passage. You shouldn't commit sexual immorality because your body, your individual body is a temple. And that's powerful. But it's way more powerful if you step back and actually trace the temple theme from the Garden of Eden to the tabernacle to the temple all the way through to Revelation twenty one twenty two, And then you think of it in light of what the temple is and now our body's a temple. That's mind-blowing. And it adds, it enhances how you understand passages. Mm-hmm.
1: Now you've had uh, you've got a number of publications. Uh, you've got a growing list. Are there any that you're most proud of that you've uh, written or been part of?
0: Uh, you mean proud of without sitting? <laughs> oh boy, the one that's the most work. The way by far the most work is the NIV Zondervan Study Bible. So I, that was four years full time and a fifth year part time. So Don Carson's general editor. And Rick has Doug Moo, Desi Alexander, our associate editors, and I was kind of managing the project and copy edited everything for content and style and all that. It was it was a bear of a project, but God willing, it'll come out in a couple of weeks. Here, yeah. nice.
1: What's um what's unique about that study Bible? What was it, what was it like to work on, on to be a part of that that project for over the last what four or five years? Yeah.
0: so a distinctive. I mean, Evangelical study Bibles are pretty similar. They all have sections that explain the basic background, literary context of the book. You know who wrote it, when you read it, who you read it to, what's the purpose, what's a general outline, that sort of thing. Um, And then they have study notes to answer pretty basic questions that people will arise as you read the text. So that's that's across the board for good study Bibles. What's distinctive about this one is biblical theology. So there's I think 28 essays at the back on uh, and 20. Five or six of those are on specific themes, like I I wrote one on holiness, and then all throughout the notes, uh, the authors are looking to make biblical theological connections. So that's a distinctive. Mm. Mm. Oh, you asked one other question. What was it like to do that? Um, So I I just finished PhD at Trinity, and I I was thinking about either teaching full time or taking this job uh, on the NIV Study Bible, and I decided to to do this because I got to work with 50 or 60 scholars over five years and I was the main contact person. So I got to know them and working closely with the editorial team. It was a great experience. Um, I feel like I've been working as Don Carson's assistant. Uh, it was about a nine year span, including those five years. And it feels like I got to clerk for a Supreme Court justice if I were, if I were going to be a lawyer, like that's, um, the kind of inside scoop I got, I feel like I, I've learned how publishing works, how scholarship works, and I'm, I'm grateful for that.
1: Hmm. Would you ever be involved with Bible translation? Is that something that that you that you'd find interesting uh, to, to work on a new tr- Bible translation?
0: Yeah, um, I I would love to get um, an, another degree in linguistics, but uh, after the second PhD, my wife said not to do that. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I love linguistics, and I love Bible translation. I could see maybe in 10 or 15 years maybe joining a Bible translation committee, uh, but those guys are top-notch. I'm not I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. I think I need another 10 or 15 years of just daily exegeting the text, reading it in Greek and Hebrew yeah. before uh, I could be on a Bible translation committee.
1: Have you thought at all where English Bible translation might go 10, 15 years in the future? Do you see trends of what... Of, of how it's developing, changing, how, you know, where, where do you see it heading?
0: Right now it seems really healthy. So you have good translations that are updating regularly, like the ESV, the NIV, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, New Living Translation, Net Bible. They're, they meet regularly to update the text in light of the changing English language. I think that's, that's necessary. Otherwise, uh, our translation will sound dated. And, we don't ever want our translation to sound dated. We want it to sound like normal English. So I think as our knowledge of the English language uh, improves uh, year by year by year, just how it's, how people are talking and, and writing, that's significant. But also, we're continually growing in our understanding of Greek and Hebrew and uh, historical cultural issues and, and and being becoming more accurate in our understanding of the text. So mm. um, I think translations will just get better and better.
1: That's nice. Um, the, uh, the school you teach at Bethlehem college and seminary, the, the website highlights that it's unique, that it's not your typical college and seminary. What's unique about Bethlehem college and seminary?
0: The main thing is that it's church based. So Mm -hmm. most schools are independent. So they have their own campus and their, their own entity, but our school is small based out of Bethlehem Baptist church. That's a church that John Piper pastored for over 30 years. So our classes actually meet right now in the church's building downtown. And what's unique is that the professors, all the full-time professors, um, are part of Bethlehem. And, uh, and the, all the full-time seminary professors are, are part of Bethlehem for sure. And that's, it's a beautiful doctrinal uh, agreement that helps shape the students in, a, I think, a good way. Uh, we, we hold to the elder affirmation of faith in our church, which is pretty detailed. So we agree on the first level issues like any Christian would, like Jesus lived and died and rose again for sinners, and it's grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, Trinity. All those basic orthodox doctrines we all affirm and celebrate, and that's main. That's the main thing. But we also all agree on several second level issues, things that Christians can disagree on, but we agree on, all of us, and, and those are issues like Big God theology, and God is most glorified in us, we're most satisfied in him, and uh, there's a role that God gives for men and women in the home and the church that we celebrate, Um, and we're Baptists, we're a Baptist church, so uh, we have a Baptist ecclesiology. I could go on, but those are some things that come up to Mm -hmm. mind.
1: What do you teach at Bethlehem College and Seminary?
0: Anything that is New Testament or theology, and I just started teaching ethics.
1: Nice. Any particular favorite courses?
0: I love them all. Okay. I, I love studying New Testament and theology. Mm. I taught ethics for the first time last year, and I love that too. Yeah.
1: And for the students that come through your class, uh, what's what's your objective for them at the time of graduation?
0: Well, the main objective is that they encounter God in the classroom, and through their studies. One of the questions we always ask is: Is it it's a warfield? Actually, uh, is it more valuable? to spend 10 minutes in prayer or 10 hours over your books? It makes them stop and think, oh, I don't know, is that a trick question? It is a trick question because the answer is, how about 10 hours on your knees? Uh, don't divorce those. So I want to, to to be a lead worshiper in the classroom and as a mentor students so that there's no big divide between academics and devotional life, but it's all together.
1: In your course, you talked about memorizing scripture yeah. for, for many Christians, um, who've grown up in the church. The last time they memorized a verse may very well have been Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how can, how do you suggest people start the path of memorizing scripture? Any advice you'd have along those lines?
0: Yeah, I'm not a I'm not an expert on this. I mean, I, I grew up memorizing a good bit. Um, I was part of a culture where some of the teenagers did something called Bible quizzing. You heard of that? So they uh, like pick a book, like do Bible quizzing over Galatians. So you memorize Galatians, and then you all sit in these chairs that have electronic pads, and they ask a question like, you know, what does verse 616 say? And the first person to <laughs> jump off the chair gets to answer it. So it's pretty it's pretty competitive. So for that competition, I ended up memorizing Romans and Hebrews and Philippians and Galatians, I think. Uh, so it, I started memorizing young, but then I didn't pick that up really again until the last couple of years. So last sixteen months, I've been memorizing First Corinthians every day for forty-five to seventy-five minutes. And there's no secret; um, it's just putting in the time. And your your brain is like a muscle. You just use it's just like you don't go out and run a marathon; you train you do it gradually and you do it regularly and you build up the stamina. So it's just a matter of I think motivation and realizing that memory work for memorizing the Bible is really important. It helps you helps you meditate on the word like nothing else. It benefits you in so many ways and helps you serve others so well. Um, and if once you you get locked in that yes this is important, this is valuable, I need to do this, then it's just a matter of doing it. Just like exercise, you need to exercise. So it's a matter of scheduling it and doing it. So I have my own system I talk about in the course, but basically I just repeat it over and over uh, 10 times in a row or 10 times accurately in a day, in a morning usually, and I just keep adding to it and adding to it. And at this point right now, I can I can recite 1 Corinthians straight through, which is about an hour. In fact, this Sunday, I'm planning to do that uh, to a church in the area.
1: Uh, one final question. I understand you're a big fan of C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia, yeah. J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter trilogy. Mm-hmm. What have you loved most about these works?
0: Well, that's an easy question. Um, the best stories, best fictional stories, are so good because they mirror, they they remind you of the one big story from creation, fall, redemption, consummation. They mirror that story of redemption, all three of those, the the big arc of those stories. Now, there's there's more to it than that. They're also beautiful, they're entertaining, they're witty, they're perceptive, they're penetrating, they're delightful.
1: Thank you for being here, Dr. Nisseli. You can learn more about Dr. Nacelli's mobile ed course on NT Exegesis at logos.com/mobileed.